This is episode 29 of the High Life Podcast. Welcome to the High Life Podcast. I'm Meredith Wadsworth, your host and certified wellness coach. Each episode covers all things health and wellness, providing weekly inspiration and information for ways to honor yourself every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. It is a beautiful, beautiful day here in Lausanne, Switzerland, and I am just back from a few days. I was in Freiburg, Germany for the past like 48 hours, which was also really cool, and I was visiting a friend there. Um, A perfect example of a place that I was not at all expecting to visit when I first set out to travel, and it just came up because I met this person while I was traveling and they were from Freiburg and they were like, come to Freiburg. And I was like, where is Freiburg? And they were like, it's in Southwestern Germany. And, uh, I ended up going and it was awesome. Um, I absolutely loved it and would definitely go back. And, uh, yeah, if you've tuned into my last few episodes, you'll know that I'm all about an opening and inviting spontaneity into my travels, which is not something I was always comfortable with. Um, but it's turned out to provide me with some incredible, incredible experiences. So that was awesome. And I'm now back in Lausanne where I was before I went to Freiburg. And this was also very unexpected, but I made another friend who so generously invited me to stay at her apartment for a week while she was on vacation. And I was like, yep, I'm, I'm for that. I'm all for that. Sure. Uh, Lausanne is awesome. It's right on the lake and it's beautiful. It's, it's walkable and all my favorite things. So I'm so grateful to be here. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to give you guys a little check-in as to where I am. I always think it's kind of fun to know where in the world I am when I'm recording these things. And it's fun for me too, because I'm not going to lie, I listen to my episodes. So when I go back in the future and uh, re-listen to these amazing interviews, I can know where I was in the world and what was going on in my life at the time. So it's kind of fun. It's kind of like a, a, you know, a dialogue journal type of thing. Um, <laughs> anyways, Getting into today's episode, I'm so excited to bring you guys the guest today. Dan Churchill is not only a celebrity chef, he is a restaurant owner of one of the best food joints, I think, in New York City called Charlie Street. I was there several days a week. Um, If you guys followed me back when I was still in New York, you would have known from following my stories. I posted food and matcha from there um, more often than not, and uh, I was you know, I had the pleasure of meeting Dan several times when I, whenever I would pop in there and he's just such an epic human, just so full of passion and, and joy for what he does for food and healthy cooking. And, um, he's incredible. He's written a few books. He is doing his own podcast called the Epic Table Podcast. And, um, it's just so inspiring, uh, his outlook on, on food and, um, how to create delicious meals that aren't complicated. And we get all into all of that in today's episode. Um, everything, from how he got his start building his own brand to the things that you should consider when building a well-balanced plate and the things that don't really matter as much. Um, his top tips towards shifting to a healthier lifestyle, how to cook for maximum results with minimal effort, and so much more. So I can't wait for you guys to tune in. You'll get so much out of this and I'll see you on the other side. Yeah, I'm so glad that you are willing to come on the show. Um, so many questions that I would have loved to have asked you even in person when I was still there, but um, at least I can get to do that now. Yeah, uh, of course. 
so, but I would love to kind of get like a recap, like of you and your story. Like, how did you get into this passion for cooking in the first place? My passion for cooking is kind of like always been present. I think even when I was like six, seven, and eight, food was just something that's always part of who I was in my family. Um, I, I don't know if I noticed it at the time or it was just subconscious, but I always was just drawn to food and being around the table and, and whatnot. But I also grew up in an area of the world called Sydney's Northern Beaches, which is a very outside lifestyle kind of orientated uh, environment. So I had an active life and I was with, you know, I was in the middle of three brothers. So I'm very active. So we ate a lot as a result. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I had this passion for cooking and creative. Like if I look, if I look to look at my life, I'm a creative. I'm a very much a creative. I love building my production team. I love doing videos, love doing content, writing my books and, you know, doing stuff with my hands. So I, I'm a, that, that's the side of me that I'm really always been passionate about. And as I was growing up, I went and did a master's in exercise science. And that led me to being a strength conditioning coach with some codes in Australia with the uh, rugby union and league and we called Aussie rules. But, you know, as I was doing that, I, I realized that I would still be cooking and I was um, noticing that, Nutritionists would be supplying the athletes with, you know, these uh, very much macro-counted uh, meal options for them to cook at home. But there's a disconnect between providing something on numbers uh, and science to an athlete, uh, and then actually getting them to practically impl- you know, apply that. So then I realised because of what I've been doing cooking, I can apply with my knowledge of my performance side from my studies to then to an athlete what they how they actually perform and, and cook in the kitchen. Uh, and so I noticed that really big opportunity for me to kind of like you know, uh, have a point of difference in this world. Uh, and that's kind of led me to, you know, changing my way of being uh, someone in the health and wellness space directly with fitness to then more along the holistic lifestyle side and uh, with food. And that that's, uh, was really started when I self-published my first cookbook called Dude Food. <laughs> um, I love that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's really cool. I created this book and uh, did everything with a small team to do it, like a Essentially, through my personal training um, days, I, I, I was personal training in Australia. I was doing, you know, quite well. So I funded the, the this thing myself, and that did really well. So from that, I led to another book, and uh, essentially, that created brands, um, which exposed me to TV uh, and morning shows in Australia, which gave me more exposure. And over time, I, you know, was just consistent with the content I was putting out and loving. I was loving this you know, ability to be this person that was connecting health and wellness through food and cooking and not looking at it as if it was like steamed chicken and broccoli and carbs and proteins and fat, but making it for more of a holistic side. That's what I continue to do every day. But that led me to be getting opportunities in America, which was really exciting to get a book deal and some TV work over here, um, which essentially made me realize if I want to really have an impact in the world, I'm going to take my message to uh, New York. And so I did. And then I Laid the foundations, you know, put a lot of a uh, lot of hard work and grunt work in, and continue today to do so. And then, um, yeah, just open up a restaurant, put a studio kitchen in the basement, uh, and build a, a small, efficient team of, co- of content creators. And here we are today with a podcast, uh, content, um, a restaurant, and my personal brand still doing what's doing and growing. So it's, I, that's kind of like it in a nutshell. Obviously, the day to day is uh, <laughs> a lot different, but that's that's the uh, that in a nutshell. Yeah. So amazing. And your, and your restaurant, Charlie street, it's like one of, it was one of my favorites when I was in New York. I think I went at least three times a week. Um, you also had great matcha, but, um, 
Yeah. I'm curious what, what did you see as some of the biggest differences between sort of like the fitness and health and cooking in Australia versus America? Yeah, really interesting. Firstly, we, we love having you in Meredith. Uh, you, you, you are, I don't want to say your furniture because that uh, doesn't really need respect at Charlie Street, but you are very much an active person of Charlie Street for, uh, you know, integral six months. So thank you very much. Always, um, always a supporter. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Australian way of life is quite interesting with wellness. I, I do actually think we are a little bit ahead of the game in um, a lot of areas of the world. Um, you know, London is pretty good as well, uh, but Sydney and Australia in particular, we for some reason just have this natural lifestyle to be outdoorsy, uh, active people. If you look at our land map, I think there's like some interesting statistic. There's a very much, somewhere like, you know, 85% of the population of Australia is along the coast. So, you know, the actual landmass of Australia is quite bare in terms of density population, where, and it's only a small, well, it's only 300 miles less uh, in terms of um, space compared to the US. And you look at the US population of like 380 million versus Australia's 27 million, like it's less than 10%, and yet we have a very similar land mass. So um, the active lifestyle being by the coast, the beach, and all those kind of things, it really allows us to, from a community perspective, be like-minded. Um, and as a result, our produce, our farmers, and our soil are very intact in that, where flavour is a very strong thing. You look at our food and our produce, and um, as a chef and also some in the wellness space, it's really exciting to be dealing with some of the best, in my opinion. Um, and so with those two things combined, both having that access and resource of quality produce and being outside and active in a community of people that we're, love that healthy lifestyle, you you see us being at the forefront of a lot of the you know uh, trends of um, wellness, um, the meditation, the the things and things, uh, I guess the particular recipes to create and eat. Um, but at the same time, there's a number of things in technology that we're behind. So where we lack in technology, we make up for in community and drive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which could be seen as really not so much of a bad thing, right? When we consider like what technology can kind of take away from quality of life. As much as it enhances it, it can also sort of take us away from the things that genuinely make us happy and bring community together, like you said, right? Yeah, no, without a doubt. Like I, I love the fact that I've grown up in Australia and had that, you know, I, my, my morning consisted of going down to the beach for a swim after a gym session, getting a coffee and in my board shorts writing a cookbook um, and talking to people online. So like that was for me uh, a very unique experience where I'm encapsulated by a very like-minded community. And we all, it was kind of accepted. It was definitely accepted over there. Gluten-free, those kind of things are well out of their time on menus in Australia. Um, uh, let's 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 also take note that uh, Australia we're a proud nation. So when we we invented Wi-Fi, <laughs> so, I didn't know that the technology. As much as we're behind in technology, we still have that. So I'm going to take that. <laughs> but yeah, of course, I don't want technology to ruin our lives, but I do think it's an integral part to the growing opportunity, accessibility, and resources to make us all learned when it comes to what we can do in the health and wellness space. Yeah, for sure. What is your general like philosophy around food? So my general philosophy is, uh, you know, first and foremost, if it's not tasty and delicious, it's not healthy. So I look at my philosophy as built around color, not calories. So, um, you know, I didn't want to be protein, fats, carbs derived. I wanted to be someone to look at that plate and 
I see is delicious bowl of colour. Uh, and from that, they know they're getting a, a wide variety of fibre, um, you know, both soluble, insoluble, uh, proteins and fats naturally, but they're not doing math to think about it. And, mm-hmm. and from another perspective, we are naturally lit up through our brain through vibrant, saturated colours uh, that we're attracted to. So, you know, from that perspective as well, you don't need the numbers to defy that because your brain, which, you know, releases and talks to all the hormones such as serotonin and endorphin rushes, those kind of things that help optimize the cellular, uh, you know, systems and uh, chemical reactions, they, they're optimized. So just looking at a vibrant bowl. So actually, as I say this, one of my beautiful coworkers has presented me with a bowl for my breakfast. And I look down right now at this plant-based chorizo eggs and some avocado, and I'm really excited. And, and a really simple a really simple test that people can do is when they go on the, the uh, their Explorer page on Instagram and they can just open it up and naturally without zooming in on anything you notice where your eyes go your eyes go to the, the more vibrant colorful uh, images and that's that's exactly the same way that I look at my food I build my food around color so if you look like you're having uh, a variety of greens, reds, oranges. You're getting the vitamins and minerals that are essential, uh, and then you're you know you're looking at ways to really have a diverse range of, um, I guess, ingredients that are going to help your digestion and help you optimize and perform at the best cognitive state. Yeah. I'm so with that, like eat the rainbow. And I'm definitely also in like the anti-math kind of, um, train. Like I never thought it made sense to incorporate math into something that's supposed to be an enjoyable life experience. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't get me wrong. I'm actually really good at math and it's like one thing I really enjoy. Um, <laughs> I'm really bad at English. I really feel sorry for those people who have to edit my, you know, my, my written work, uh, unfortunately, because just for me, I, yeah, I just kind of, Right, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, um, but when it comes to math, I don't mind it, but not everyone does. And so when that happens, I get frustrated um, when people, you know, essentially have to, I guess, be turned off by the fact that they have to sit down and go, okay, did I get this? Did I get that? No, nah, just eat it. Enjoy it. That's, that's my philosophy. Mm-hmm. How do you, do you have any tips or advice for helping people to kind of shift away from the calculating mentality, whether it's macros or calories or, and and focusing more on just like what you were saying, the colors? Yeah. So the hashtag color always wins is, is what I've been using. Um, And the reason for that is people, what I want you to do is three things. For you, look down at your, look down at your food and I'm not asking you to count the number of colors. I just want you to see, is it vibrant? Is it colourful? Um, take note, have you had a number of different greens but no reds throughout that day? And if you notice that, you know, just maybe think about it just that night that you can make this red. Um, and the reason for that is if you – it would empower you. I don't want people to follow my recipes directly. I want people to be – you know, they look at my podcast, they look at my YouTube, they look at all those kind of things. I want them to be empowered to then go, all right, okay, I now have seen what Dan or – you know, someone else has shown me with it what I can do with a pepper. But I know that when I want to add this to my dish, I can actually add it to another recipe because I've seen it done once. And so with that in mind, like I, I use that same philosophy to ingrain into people um, with, with their cooking. I want eventually my goal for people to go to the supermarket and see what's on special and be able to just pick it up an ingredient and know what they've done with it before and create a dish out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's philosophy is 
have a look at your dishes throughout the day and just take note of how much colour you've been using. Second thing is, um, you know, to, to work away, then if you do eat protein or if you even use plant-based protein, just have a little bit in there. That helps your digestion and obviously the recovery of your, your muscles and all, as well as your brain and the, and the contractions you're having. And then ultimately, most important thing is it has to taste delicious. If you're not having anything delicious, it's not motivating. Don't you be surprised because the most motivating thing, the most motivating thing that I would say is that the more color there is in an ingredient, the more flavor receptors our our, our own receptors themselves attach to. So we uh, you look at a really well rounded strawberry. It's beautiful, really deep red. There's more flavor profile with that, and ultimately. That also relates to nutrition. So on a on a byproduct, the more color there is, the more nutrition is, is there is in it. But ultimately, the more flavor there is, because your body's exposed to more receptors of pigments, um, which is where you really benefit from um, the nutrients as well. Yeah, it's true. I always thought it was so interesting that like we can tell almost without even tasting or smelling like whether a strawberry is going to be ripe or not. Like you know, it just has that look to it. It's so interesting, isn't it? Like yeah. our eyes, our eyes. First and foremost, our, our sense of smell is the is the biggest receptor that we have, um, and taste is the combination of sorry, flavor is the combination of taste and aroma. Mm-hmm. So that's that's always things to keep in mind. But yeah, seeing it as well. We, I mean, the idea that people say you eat with your eyes, you you definitely do. You definitely do, and I, no doubt before you even actually have the you know the ingredient or the dish come to your mouth, you've already enlightens your receptors to a certain, um, you know, excitement that's going to, you know, provide a profile flavor that's going to be even more magnified. Yep. Do you have any um, tricks or like go-to ways to enhance the flavor of something if someone's like not yet at the place where their palate is used to having, you know, lots of like fruits and vegetables and wholesome foods, and they're still sort of accustomed to having more processed foods, but they're looking to make a healthier change um, you know, and, and obviously not sacrificing flavor. What, what would you say for someone who's looking to, you know, keep things simple in the kitchen, but make this healthier shift while still enjoying it? Yeah, cool. So, I mean, ultimately I don't like using enhancers in any way, like specific enhancers, but so everything that I do is about like what mother nature has provided for us. So whole foods and those kind of things, whole grains. I always say the first thing that we should do is remove sugar. Mm-hmm. Remove added sugar, I should say, because most people still add sugar to their day or don't realize how much sugar they're having in their day. So yeah. I always say just just controlling the controllable, which is a big philosophy of mine in general for your lifestyle, is remove sugar from your you know added sugar from your day. Um, that's a really simple thing you can do, and you'll be surprised that once you do, how enlightened your palate is to natural sugars. I don't eat. I, mean, I cannot tell you the last time I've had sugar added to anything uh, like you know i've had dark chocolate uh, i love a bit of chocolate but i can't tell the last time i had um you know a really really simple sugar kind of situation for me that means when i have a strawberry or even a banana or a peach or you know those kind of things they're sweet to me yeah they're really sweet because yeah. I, my flavor profile my palate is uh that's what that's what the expectation is and yeah. it's great it's, for me I make a strawberry jam with no added sugar. It's just strawberry and it's like perfectly tart sweet. So that's what you learn as well. So first tip would be to remove that. Uh, when it comes to, I then like in, essentially the next step to motivation of cooking um, would be cook something simple that you actually will love. I think that's 
I think that's a really big defining factor. A lot of people time, time and time again, I find pick up recipes that they're a bit unsure of, um, but they want to learn the skill of cooking. But then they get, they're like, oh, I don't actually, don't you like it that much? Pick something you know you're going to love and, and start that way because then you get involved in the cooking aspect and actually see the enjoyment of cooking. You see your friends light up when you provide them the dish. And that's, that's a really exciting moment too. So step one, at a cut out sugar. When you're cooking, cook simple dishes that you know you're going to love. And then three, start to really understand like how easy it is to go to the supermarket and work the aisles as I work the, uh, the, the produce section as opposed to the aisles. I'm big on removing all processed ingredients from your diet. Reason being is the amount of wear and tear it does in your internal state. Um, so, yeah, they're my three things. Go shopping outside the aisle, or even at farmers markets. Um, and ultimately, early on, just, yeah, cut out sugar and, and create easy recipes from some phenomenal database of people you trust. Um, I, 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 had, I had a good friend on the podcast yesterday. Seeing him go from working his knife skills uh, yeah, to Agent Grenier, he's a he's a, a actor from Entourage. He's he's a phenomenal worker of knife skills, and it took him a little bit of practice. But he's like, I actually enjoy cooking now because of how good my knife skills have become. So you know, you never know over time. You actually may enjoy the art of it because you actually become quite good at it. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and it also really doesn't have to be as like you were saying as complicated as you know people make it out to be. Like for me. Um, I enjoy obviously making like a nice recipe every once in a while, but for the most part, my cooking is super simple and it's like usually no more than 30 minutes, 45 minutes maximum of just, you know, putting some chopped veggies on a piece of parchment paper and an oven at, you know, 400 degrees or 200 Celsius and a few um, different herbs and spices here and there. And like, that's it. And it's so simple um, and non-intimidating. I think like yeah, I get scared away from... <laughs> I'd absolutely 100%. That is exactly what cooking should be. Cooking yeah. is not what a chef does. It's what you're able to do in a convenient, accessible way and resources. Like I've got a, I've got a recipe on my blog, the five-minute meal plan, uh, the five-minute uh, sheet pan dinner. And essentially what it is, is you're right, exactly what you just said. Put it on a sheet pan and put it in the oven. And the actual amount of time it takes you to do that is five minutes. It may take 30 to 40 minutes to cook, but your actual time, it takes – Five minutes, all you're doing is chop, put on a pan, bit of olive oil, salt and pepper, see you later. And you can make that so much bulk that you have the next four days of your meals, colorful, delicious, and exactly what you want from your health and moments perspective. Yeah. I always joke that like, that's how I do my meal prepping while I'm in the shower. Because <laughs> I literally will just put it in, go take a shower or go do some yoga or something. And I, I don't oh. feel like I'm spending any time actually in the kitchen, but I have all this amazing food. You and you and me both, Meredith. I'm uh, I'm, I'm switching over between what I'm what I'm listening to. Um, I'm listening to Vance Joy while doing my meal prep right now. As I jump from the uh, from the from the kitchen to the shower, start singing and back into getting the actual sheet sheet tray out of the out of the oven. Yep, love it. <laughs> so, what does a day on a plate of a celebrity chef actually look like? Ooh, jeez. Uh, which day of the week? Uh, and what time of year? <laughs> well, um, good point. Good point. So, so how about right now? Um, okay. So oof, this week has been absolutely hectic. Um, when I say that, everyone's hectic in New York City. So when I say it's been a very hectic me on the tools week. So this week I, let's see, I, I got up at, I get up at 5.30, get a gym session in the kitchen by around 7.00. Um, and then from there, I was prepping from seven till probably 
maybe 11.30 that night with a couple of breaks. And, that was, and that's also doing all the logistics of the events and catering we've done this week. And I also had two podcasts to shoot. But my typical day would be getting up at 5 or 5.30, uh, reading a couple of uh, maybe a chapter of a book that I'm reading at the time, going to the gym, uh, listening to my favorite podcast. Um, I then come back and have athletic greens. Is like my it's talking about getting easy, easy access to convenient, colorful ingredients. Like that's my one-stop shop, Athletic Greens. I do that, uh, and then I make uh, my breakfast, my first breakfast, uh, and then I'm at the I'm on emails by about eight forty-five, nine o'clock. I walk with my girlfriend to, to Charlie Street, get a coffee, have a me time with her that I do. Um, and no one knows, like Maddie, my head of content, does not schedule anything from nine o'clock um, or before. So that's like my time to get there and do me. Mm-hmm. And so from there, yeah, I'm generally generally speaking, checking on the staff and how everything's going, speak to my chef and make sure she's getting ordered and prepped. Uh, and then within that first couple of hours, I'm just kind of going through my emails uh, and maybe doing the research and stuff. And then middle of the day, I'm either testing or doing some sort of video content down the studio kitchen with the Epic Table team. Um, and then by the afternoon, I've, uh, I'm either checking on the new sources that we're doing right through to writing the next bit of content. Um, or, you know, for example, this week we shot a couple of episodes of uh, recipes for the YouTube, the uh, Instagram and a couple of brands as well. And I'm out by, make a very big point to be out by 6 PM. Uh, Cause once I'm, and, and I don't take my work home. Uh, rarely do I do. So once I leave 6 PM, I'm done. I, uh, I go, catch up mate, go to the gym again or do a run or something or just girlfriend time. So, and, and that's really important to me. And I, I try to, you know, part that to my team as well. It, it's really important that you have your time that you're on. And if you don't get your time done, like in that time, then you won't work efficiently enough or you just got to work your time more efficiently in general. So that's kind of like a, a day in the life of me uh, in a way. And I'm, this week I made a really cool shakshuka for dinner with the lady. Um, we took it to the rooftop in Lower East Side and had a beautiful little uh, situation up there. So a big mixture of work and play for me, as you can see, my, my day is very much lifestyle, <laughs> happy lifestyle indoors. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, do you ever find it hard to kind of separate what you do is your, you know, it's your passion, it's cooking from actually, um, you know, who you are in your life. Like you obviously you're eating like, you know, you have three meals a day or however often you eat, or do you ever find like, it's, it's kind of hard to draw that line between, you know, sort of always mentally being at work and, and thinking and creating and, you know, actually kind of shutting it off. Yeah. Like I I talk about this all the time. Um, like I'm, I'm the, I guess I'm the leader of the, the team here. And as a result, I've got to lead by example. If I'm telling my team to do something and I'm not doing it myself, then I'm not really representing an opportunity to be inspiring, um, inspiring or motivating them. I'm really massive on mindfulness. It's a big part of like, you know, meditation is huge. Um, taking the philosophy of going to the gym, you don't do the same muscle workout two days in a row because you allow that muscle to relax and recover and adapt to the performance you put in that previous day. So your brain on your mind is also a muscle and you need to learn to switch off. And so you work creatively all day. So you need to have time where it's creatively off. Now, whether that starts with mental uh, mindfulness meditation or just literally changing what your thought process is, that's how, for me, I'm really endorsing that concept. It's something that everyone should take away that's listening right now. Like we work so hard that if you take your work everywhere and then you go home and you have, 
you know, stressful environment with your home, it, it just leads to not only cortisol increases and sustained cortisol increases and what that can have detrimental effects on, but it also affects your mind. You actually won't perform as efficiently. I said this to my team, it happened about three months ago. I was like, guys, you're working seven days at 60%. I want to see you working four to five days at 100%. It's much more efficient for me. And so that's what's um, really important. For me, I have Maddie, my head of content, who helps schedule everything in. And also it's a, a respecting to my team, my, and particularly my girlfriend. Like if I go home and I'm constantly on, um, like I work currently seven days to an extent. and so. If I work seven days and didn't come home and, and want to be with her and instead I'm like, want to be at work, then it's really not fair in the relationship. And so I make a really big part of it. So when I'm with her, I give her everything. And that's that's why it should be. Because when I'm at work, I give work everything. Um, and that's the way I'm motivated. Right now, I know in this time of my life, I've got a lot going on that needs to be looked after and I'm okay with that. And I've, I've set an expectation with my friends and, and my team and also my girlfriend and my family. So for that, it's really important that people take away the importance of separating different things. I, I don't schedule in my time with my girlfriend. I just know that between the hours of nine and six, that's my work time. And if I don't get my work time done, then mo- like unless I have to send a quick email, it's like you know tough because if I then don't allow myself to relax, take the time off, and spend it with those who are really truly like my number one, then I'm not respecting myself, my health and wellness, and I'm not really walking the talk about the messages that I'm trying to create. Mm, yeah. So important. And I'll admit it's, it's even hard for me sometimes to really have that break or that separation from, you know, when I'm on during the day and when I'm okay now settling in to do my own sort of self-care evening routine and whatnot, but it is so important. And, you know, we can be eating all the colors of the rainbow that we should be, but if we're not looking out for that part of it, then it's, you know, you're not getting all the benefits that um, you know, you're putting in. Yeah, it's exactly right. I, I, I want to take note. This has taken me some time to kind of realize. Like, I've been working for myself for the past oof, nearly 12 years. So, like, when I was a trainer, I've worked for myself. I never, I haven't, for 12 years, I've worked for myself. So, I've had to really define my time. And, you know, for you know, probably a solid nine, eight years, I was just like, yep, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. At any time, at least my stuff. And, I mean, at the time, I didn't have a partner, I didn't have a girlfriend, so it was generally me I had to think about. Um, but yeah, I guess I also then realized my efficiency, my work time, and my creative mind. Now, admittedly, I do have a very much an energized battery, uh, just of um, yeah, mentality. I just, I, I, for some reason, can work sustained energy for a long time, but then when it gets to like 10 p.m., I, if I lie my head down a slight second, I'm out. Like, and that's just, I, I give it all for the day. Um, so it does take practice. It's not easy, especially when you're, you're up and coming and you're having a crack and you're trying to, you know, sling deals and make things happen or write that book. You, it's very hard to say, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to lie on the beach for a day. And you're like, but I need to get something done. You'll be surprised if you take the time off, how much better creatively you are, uh, you are working. And, you know, there's a couple of guys in my executive team at work where I've said, you have to get this done, but do not do it tomorrow. Because if you do, one, I'm going to be very frustrated. But two, I know you won't get it done to the demand that I want you to. So take the day off, relax, and come back firing the following day. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I've definitely felt that bit of pressure myself and I'm definitely similarly very much a yes person, um, at this point in, in what I'm doing and in my career and, and working for myself. And do you have any tips or what worked for you in like kind of getting to that place where you could, you know, schedule out things or, you know, feel good that you knew how to distribute your time and energy, um, uh, you know, reliably or consistently, um, how long do you feel like that kind of took you to to get the hang of? Well, I think I realized, well, let's, let's think about it. I think when I was uh, in America and I had, I was kind of like, I didn't have a restaurant. I was doing content and whatnot, but it was very unstructured. I then realized I was kind of like taking opportunities to do things here and there. And then I realized, like, well, hang on. What if I just kind of put myself in a position to be doing a nine to five or nine to six and see how that works for me? Because I would be doing things from, you know, six till 10 and break and then, you know, five till two and, and, and it'd be all over the shop. I think it's still structured. I personally work in a very well-structured environment. Whenever I go, uh, I travel for work, I still keep to my morning routine. I still keep to my structure. I, I set my clock to the time zone a day before, so I kind of get used to it. And that helps me in efficient life. But when it comes to like the time that took me to realize this, it was, it was my efficiency. I couldn't keep track of the days. I think that's what really was going on. I couldn't keep track of what day it was because I was just kind of like, I'm working, getting things done. But then when I fell, fell into a line where like a nine to five on a Monday to Friday is how I was working, I was like, if, uh, if you want to, if, like, if it's friends would you know, come to town in New York and you just hang out with them. And all of a sudden you'd be out in three or four days, three or four hours. And like, that's three or four hours. I think it worked done. You have to push the night and things come up. It's like, all my friends mainly work between nine to five here anyway, well, you know, eight to 10 or whatever it is. But like, I never really, I was like, well, what if I work in their time zone? And then that, which is a very normality kind of situation, see how it works. And that's how it works for me. Um, and then obviously as I said, I got, I got a partner. And so then she, she, I no longer was interested at me and I wanted to make time for this girl who I always wanted to see. And so that was another inspiring factor because for eight years I didn't have that need. Uh, or, or one for that. So yeah, it was it was it was kind of probably about two years ago when I really, oh maybe three years ago. Yeah, definitely three years ago where I was like, okay, let's do a nine to five, let's see how that goes. And um, you, and and then to be honest, I had a lot of successful things come through directly after a three month period of that. Yeah. Awesome. I, I want to come back to this subject of like what, what brought you to the level of success that you've had, but um, I wanted to circle back to the subject of um uh, fitness and training as it relates to, um, you know, healthy eating and, and that sort of thing. So what do you, um, in your experience, whether working with clients or in your own experience have seen as maybe one of the biggest misconceptions or misunderstandings around how to properly be fueling for workouts? Um, do you know, do, do you, what do you think of in terms of, you know, eating before or after, or, you know, overdoing it on protein or that kind of stuff? Yeah, very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to work with a lot of analytics. So, you know, with Under Armour and with some of the other teams I work with, we, we're in a high-performance unit sometimes. So I'm actually able to collect data and have a look at some of the uh, athletes and, and the individuals we're working with. And what I have found, first and foremost, I don't go into this looking at it as a fuel supply, what food is, because I think that we take away the uh, more important aspect, in my opinion, of what food does for us, particularly in an athletic or even a wellness environment. If we make food, look like fuel, we would treat it as a necessity as opposed to a want. And that is so important to this day and age where things are so hectic all the time 
unfortunately, people do still treat it as a, as a necessity. And so in a time that we are really busy and we're meant to then relax and have that mindful state of enjoyment and allow our serotonin to come out, we, we just eat because we need to. Um, and so <clears throat> I think a big part of that is a lot of the way that we perceive things. So first and foremost, I don't look at food as guilt. I look at it as a, a fun, happy time. So when I was away on camp with Lindsay Vaughn at the Olympics, I said to the team, like, I am not doing this just for the macronutrient benefit for her. This is actually when she finishes training on the slopes. She's got three events. In between that, she's got all these branding things she has to do for sponsors. Let's allow her to have the time to chill the F out to the team. And the best time was when we had the whole team, the 10 of us sitting at the table, just enjoying chatting about anything. And that's what food does. It brings people together, allows us to be happy. And that's the most powerful thing, aside from what we're eating, that's the most powerful thing food can do. We all talk about how it brings people together. It also chills us out and makes us happy. So I just want to make that point really clear. Um, and then when it comes to like, you know, perception of food and what to eat pre and pro and all those kind of things, I, I look at, I've, I've seen hundreds of athletes, I've seen you know, thousands of uh, everyday wellness clients and the most important thing that I have found is no matter what I say, it's what the individual is actually motivated to do. And I can say that this is going to be better for you to do have breakfast, but if they don't want to and struggle to eat it, it means that firstly, they're going to be putting in their mouth not really keen. And so like that's automatically going to be like a hate relationship with food. So I'm going to automatically say, let's not do breakfast. And for me, that's huge. So then I changed them to an intermittent fasting style diet and we've seen so much more benefit. So the misconception with food, in my opinion, is derived from the relationship we have with food. I feel people too often see it as a necessity and not a want. Um, and then when it comes to the best form of uh, you know, intake to have, it's the best one that works for you. It's the best one that you're going to enjoy and actually sustain and adhere to for the rest of your life. So for that, I... You can take as much blood work as you want. You can do all those kind of things, but unless you ask the individual, sit down with them and say, hey, are you enjoying this? What do you like? Do you like protein in the morning? Do you like carbs? Does this sit well? Do you like this? And so be it. On, if you were to say, take that aspect out of it, i say definitely have some carbs before a workout, particularly a high-intensity one. Make sure you have a little bit afterwards with your protein for recovery. And, of course, have uh, a sustaining amount of protein throughout the day with a wide variety of color. Um, to ensure that the workout you have done uh, is supported by the carbohydrates being taken to the right cells through using the right vitamins, the proteins being activated correctly, and all those enzymes are all in track. So, yes, that's all the obvious stuff. The less obvious stuff that I spoke about earlier, I think is what we should be crit uh, critically looking at right now. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, you touched on something that I think is also really important is like being present with your food, like not just like, of course it, it brings people together when you can eat with other people and that's amazing. But even if you're alone being there and with what you're eating and not being distracted by being on your phone or watching TV or, um, or eating on the go even, but really making it a moment and an experience is so important too, not just for, um, you know, the mindfulness aspect of it, but for digestion purposes too, like it, it, you know, it should be, like you said, a chilled out session and not something that's you're doing while you're stressing and in between meetings and stuff like that. Cause that just, it ruins your relationship with food and how it's going to make you feel. Oh, there's studies that actually showcase just state of mind you're in 
when you're eating can either positively or negatively affect your digestion. And that 100% is well supported by your hormone activity. So it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I think it's, it's so fascinating and so important. Um, so shifting gears back to what we were talking a little bit about earlier, I mean, you've written several books, you've, you know, been on all these TV shows, uh, like the two of network and Charlie street. And what is, what is something like if you had to chalk up your success to maybe a particular characteristic about yourself or, or maybe a mentor you had, what do you think was some of like the biggest factors in getting to where you are now? Um, look, there's, there's, I've had a number of different people in my life that will today and continue to be influential and I'll meet some more people in the future that I, I, I don't know yet, but I'm, I'm someone who has no problem learning and, hear, and hearing from people who've done it themselves before. And I think that's a part of the reason why I actually launched my own podcast is I have these amazing people around me already uh, and they have their stories to tell them what people to hear. But at the same time, selfishly, I'm like, I want to hear how they've done it. So like I'm. Always, I mean, this is what this is like. I don't know. Everybody else. This is like for me as much as it's for everyone. So having that moment, that's great. That's great. So <laughs> yeah, I look. I look at the moments. Um, there's some pretty defining ones. I I met a gentleman named Dale Beaumont who continues to be a mentor of mine. Who uh, he lives in Australia and has a business building um, or a mentorship kind of uh, online program. He's done very very well. Um, but he was the one who helped me with my first ever book. And so someone like that, you know, he's written a number of books himself. I just learned, I asked him like, you know, what, well, how do I do it? And he self-published all his books. My eyes and self-published a book, got it done. Um, and from there, from ever since that day, he's always been in my corner. Um, I've had, you know, a fantastic management, uh, a gentleman named Lance Reynolds, who I think when you, who, you know, have someone like that who actually cares about you in making decisions for you, that is unbelievable. Not interested in financial goals, interested in helping me achieve what I, my message is that he, he's been probably the biggest impact on my life. Uh, I obviously have my family. My family helps shape who I am. I'm, I am, my, my personality is derived by my, the way that my mum and dad have uh, you know, helped grow me up and um, support me, but then also my two brothers. And so that's huge. And then obviously like, you know, I, I've got my, network of New York, I've got the people around me that I'm learning every single day from, the people I have on my podcast, the the you know, the, the Jeremy Jaunties of the world, the Adrian who are actually really shape paving the way for these uh, you know, sustainable actions. Um and obviously then my, my partner, she she inspires me every day. So I I'm I, I can't put into words um the amount of people that I have that continue to mentor me and, and just, even if they don't know it, I just ask questions. And I think that's a huge thing that you can do is don't be afraid to ask and go to people who've done it before. Like, look, what are you doing? What are you, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to release a product? Are you trying to, you know, be in the health and wellness space and write a book? There's so many people who've written a book now in the health and wellness space. How do they do it? Go and ask them. And, and simply that's it. What do I need to get started? Write a checklist. And then all of a sudden you realize, okay, I've done that, done that, done that. Okay, sweet. Now I've got to get printed. Where do I go to get a printer? Ask me where the printer from. And, you know, I know it sounds really easy, but I had Michael Chernow on my podcast, I think, three weeks or two weeks ago, and everything he said was absolutely correct. There's, there's two people in this world. There's other people who talk about it and there's who do it. So mm. don't be – he was actually really direct about it. I don't know if you listened to it yet, Meredith, but he was like, just do it. You know, I'm like, can I be, he's like, can I be completely honest with you? 
just stop being lazy. And that's what he said. And I'm just like, lazy, is a, I love it. I just love Michael. He's a, he's a really good brother of mine. And, and I just say, like, that is exactly what it is. Yeah. I have mentors, and they can tell you as much as you want, or mentors that you have, but unless you go out and do it, it's not happening. So that's the biggest thing to say. Yeah. I'll have to give that episode a listen. That sounds like very much in line with um, my sort of philosophy and take on things. And it's also just like getting out of your own way. Like don't make things harder than they have to be. I think we often like to give ourselves excuses for why we haven't just done something or just started on something. And we expect things to be complicated, but if you think it's going to be complicated, then it will be. But if you just tell yourself that it's a simple process and just like, you know, stop creating these obstacles, then it will be simple. You create your own reality. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So what is like of, of all this, um, or from all these amazing mentors and support network, support network that you have, what would be your best piece of advice that you've been given if you had to pick one thing? If I had to pick one thing, oh, um, I think it was. It was from Dale. I think Dale just simply said, "Mate, no like." It, it, firstly, he said, "You are number one to yourself. You have to look after yourself first before you look after anyone." And that's because you are not in the right space to then look after people you truly care about. If you don't put yourself first, you put someone else first. Unfortunately, you're then gonna, um, you know, not, not focus on your own health and wellness, but then be able to give someone else the love they deserve. And that can be a family member, it can be a partner, it can be, you know, your business. You have to look after yourself. Um, but you also just said, pretty much what I just said to you about getting it done. It's like, like no one else is gonna get it done unless you do. You know, ultimately, no one is gonna care about your brand, your business as much as you are. And that is that is true to this day. I have a like an absolute fantastic team that I work with both at Charlie street and, and, and the production, the Epic table. And they all care. Uh, but at the end of the day, no matter what, when push comes to shove, I'm going to be the one who cares the most. And that's, that's the same for anyone. When you're starting your own business, your business, you're the only one who's going to care as much as, um, you know, you're the one who's going to care the most. So you always have to reflect on that. Yep. Love it. Absolutely. Um, so I'd love to wrap up with a few more fun, lighthearted questions. Um, sure. What is like an absurd thing that you do or weird thing, weird habit that you do and that you love? Oh, a weird habit. I'm pretty, I'm pretty goofy. I must admit. Um, <laughs> let's see. Jeez. Um, I, uh, oh, come on. I'm just thinking my morning routine and what is kind of weird about it. <laughs> yeah, people usually um, their morning routines or their night. Yeah, routine. it's like I get up, I wash my face, I read the news, and weird habit. I mean, I just randomly, honestly, I've been working on my handstand and I have to start again because my biometrics were out. My biomechanics, sorry, were out. Um, but I'll randomly just do a handstand every anywhere right now. Just honestly, I'll be walking in the streets uh, and then just do a handstand just because I'm like, oh, I feel like just focusing my balance right now. So I will be that person. Um, I'll also, I'll find ways to re, oh, it's kind of like, I guess not weird, but I'll find ways to reuse things. 
So, you know, I get food leftovers and I'll find ways to use them or store them. And even if it's like the weirdest ingredient or the end of something, I'll store it in olive oil and put it in the fridge so the fat helps it preserve for longer. Um, but some of the stuff I would have would be completely weird. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. That's, that's pretty fun. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I guess I, I'm, oh, I can't think of anything really quirky, but there is definitely a couple of things that I do. Maybe yeah. after superimpose this a bit later. Yeah. I just uh, ultimately, Meredith, does everyone know I'm a very weird person? <laughs> <laughs> I would Who question anybody who claims that they're a weird person. Sorry, just cut out there, Meredith. Oh, yeah. Is everything okay? Yeah, we're all good. We're all good. Um, yeah, I was just saying, I would question anybody who says that they're not weird. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm unique. You're unique. But it's why people love us, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you had a billboard, what would it say? Uh, ooh, control the controllable. Oh, control the controllables. Yeah. So I'm a big like. This is one of the questions I always ask in my podcast. Is like, what is it that the guest does to control the controllable? So. I always use this in when I'm doing a chat with the team or with an individual, how they can do things. Because at the end of the day, you can't control things you can't control, right? Mm. You can't control what decisions someone else makes about you. It's not you making the decision. What you can control are the things that you can actually control. So if I get to the airport and there's nothing available for me to have that I'm firstly going to enjoy or is tasty or is is the wellness style that I love, I can't control that. But I can control taking food to the airport because I know that's what's going in it. Um, if I know that I'm not going to be able to get, uh, I know I'm not going to have a gym uh, available at the location I'm going to and traveling, I can take a sleeping room. I can take my um, my shoes. I know if I, you know, I'm putting in a proposal for a catering opportunity with Charlie Street, I can control how much we tell them. I can't control the decision they make, but I can control what goes on there. So, when something doesn't go your way, you can only control the things that you can. So what can you do to make it better for next time? Or what can you do to prevent things from happening that you don't want to happen? Because at the end of the day, when it comes to making decisions, the only thing that can really be impacted by you are the things that you can make an effort to make an impact on. So that's why I always say control the control. Yeah, I love that. All right. I want to like write that on a mirror or something. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. One. Um, what has been one of your best investments under $100 in the past year? I love this question. Um, I always say city bike, the city bike membership. Mm. It allows me to see the rest of the world. Um, I love biking, uh, but I personally found biking in New York to be the most terrifying experience I've ever had. And I've like jumped out of the plane before, like... No, I, yeah, I totally, I can understand how it'd be a hectic experience for some people, but yeah, no, that was uh, that was a phenomenal opportunity. Like, I just, I've seen New York, like, I know, I've, I've ridden some pretty unique places. Um, I actually don't think it's, I think it's 160 bucks. That doesn't count. Uh, okay, probably, I think an Audible subscription. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely an Audible subscription. I love Audible. I love reading books when I'm on the go. Um, I think that really helps me. Perfect segue to the next read- question. Okay, go on. Yeah, what is like one of your favorite books or what what are you reading right now? 
I'm reading right now Songs of the Blue Ocean. It's a really fantastic book on sustainability when it comes to the marine life and how the bluefin tuna is seen, unfortunately, as still able to be uh, fished for when reality is that it's, uh, it's definitely in a need to be helped, um, you know, in, in getting back its numbers that it once, once had. Uh, so that's a really fantastic book and great perspective on, on the marine life and what's actually sustainable versus what people are exposed to. So I'm really enjoying that. Um, my favourite book probably the last, few months has probably been Leonardo da Vinci's uh, biography mm. um, I got by Isaac Yeah, it is unbelievable. I think I've learned more about that man uh, that's helped me. Just like he, wow, like what that man did at the time, everyone knows him for the Mona Lisa. He invented so many things that people don't recognise these days. He made like the mould of a, has this, so the heart, the human heart, the, the way that our the, the, the way that our heart pumps blood around the body, he was the first person to truly understand that. And for so many years, up until about even like the recent 500 years, everyone denied his theory. He made a mold of a heart. So he, he did a lot of uh, cadaver work with um with uh, horses and and things like that. He got he got out a heart of a cow, I believe, and made a mold out of it, and then used uh, filled it with water and used grass to look at the way that. Uh, the heart flowed uh, with the with the water, and then realised there was a particular way that our heart valves work. And he made this hypothesis, and and, and was supported, but only up until was it was it for like over a thousand or something years, it wasn't recognised. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, so crazy. I actually just went to a Da Vinci exhibit when I was in Denver, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, they had um sort of wooden models of the sketches that he'd been keeping, and they weren't like quite life-size, but it was just crazy. I mean, even stuff like in the, in, you know, military or in scuba diving, like he literally had a hand in like everything. It's crazy. Um, yeah, he was one of, you know, the biggest, um, you know, thought leaders of, of all time. I feel like in all realms of thinking. A hundred percent. Like everyone sees him as a painter, but he, right. he invented so many things or he came up with so many ideas for, sewage and, and water flow and um and, and he did like broadway productions and it's just like anyway you've got to read the book because it, it really opens your eyes to things yeah great awesome um and lastly how do you honor yourself every day um i give myself so i honor myself by making sure that in some way or form i put uh, I guess my routine in place, which incorporates my wellness, my physical wellness and my mental state. So um, I was the control the controllable by eating the things that I want to. And uh, I pay attention to those people who are close to me in some way or form. But for me, I do, I do plan a time of day that's just for me, whether it be the morning before I go to the gym or there's a dance thinking time where I'm doing things I'm going to create it. It's, uh, that's, what's, that's the way that I honor myself every day. Love it. Filling up your cup first. Yeah. And how can we um, do our part in honoring you today? Can we, where can we find you? Where can we help spread your message? All that stuff. Yeah, of course. So you can uh, obviously check out my podcast as well. So it's Dan Churchill's The Epic Table, and that can be on anywhere you listen to your podcast. Uh, you can hit me up on Instagram. So Dan underscore Churchill, make sure you tag both Meredith and myself in this uh, listening episode uh, on Instagram story. Uh, you can hit my website, danchurchill.com. And ultimately, if you want to come hang out in my studio kitchen below Charlie Street, 
make sure you come get a matcha from Charlie Street down in Olita like Meredith always did. Um, and then, uh, yeah, come check out the space. So, uh, yeah, and uh, make sure you leave a review for Meredith as well because she's a baller. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and I'll link to all of that stuff <laughs> in the show notes. Um, Dan, thank you so much. This has been such an awesome conversation. And I wish I could say I would. I know when I'll be Charlie but... If you're ever um, in Europe in the upcoming months, give me a holler. For sure. Always. It'll bring you a matchup. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Thanks so much for tuning in, you guys. This was such a fruitful episode, pun fully intended. And I hope that you got as much out of it as I did. As Dan said, please feel free to rate, subscribe, leave a review, check out Dan and all of the amazing things he's doing on his podcast, his website, head over to Charlie Street, all that good stuff. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day, rest of your week, wherever you are, be there fully. See you guys on the next episode. Take care.